3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow the money. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VCN.
4: in history have begun with a question. To be or not to be, that is the question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? And what kind of hair product does Mitch Moss use? The Follow the Money wants to know. Do you concur? concur with what? what, sir? Do you concur?
5: Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on Visa, and This show is brought to you by DraftKings. Here you go, uh, starting this hour off with a little... little Do you concur? Paulie, if you can't go 500 a conference play college basketball, you do not deserve an at-large bid. Do you concur? It's the old Dick
6: Vitale line. Well, with super conferences now, I used to be a proponent of that, and I agreed with Vitale. But now with super conferences, and just look at the Big 12. Look at this schedule, night in, night out, who you have to play, which you could still be a a worthy team and tournament-worthy with even like a seven and 10, or seven and 11, eight and 10 conference record. Uh, I don't concur, but I used to, but things have changed now in the world of college athletics.
5: I'm looking at overall, the SEC is awesome. Big 12, the same. Pac-12 is going, they went out with a bang in college football, in college basketball, it's a terrible conference this year. Is the Big 10 any good? I would like, is Purdue, like we talk about this all the time, teams that are going to be battle tested in the Big 12 and the SEC. Like, Illinois' is good in the Big 10. Wisconsin appears to be completely fugazi. Like, who else is really solid in, in the Big 10 overall? This might be the worst ACC of our lifetime. I totally agree with that one. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I have a lot of questions
6: about a team like Purdue going into the tournament on top of that team's history with Matt Painter anyway. Lenardi well, has has Wisconsin playing Auburn in a four or five game and this would you how much what would you what would you do if oh you would unload if Auburn was short in that game I probably would yeah right yeah yep yeah. uh, well on that note, the SEC won't have the best league in football year in and year out anymore do you concur yes concur that's the other thing Dan Wetzel wrote about this and when we got into this with Pat forty, it's one thing I forgot to mention you know how arrogant it is to go to the other people in college football or if you're sankey and say well we want moving forward in 2026 with the new playoff and if it's going to be 14 or 16 whatever we want at least three or four automatic bids (laughs) who's to say you're going to have the best that's that's asinine because you didn't win a damn thing before the bcs was created by the way by your former commissioner of the sec roy kramer so you can't tell me with saban retiring and what things are going to look like and with coaches how about the eric b thing and the chip kelly thing who knows what's going on with coaches now where it's like i'm going to get out of college and i'm going to go to the nfl and i don't care if i'm an assistant well. chip kelly took an oc job and left ucla right so you can't tell me that the sec in 2028 is going to be worthy of three or four automatic bids and you won't say, well, the Big 12 will have, they'll get their act together. The Big 10 might be. This stuff is not going to be, this, you're not going to say, I'm going to dominate. And that's how it's going to be from now until the end of time. Because the SEC proved that they, they, again, Auburn went undefeated. Nobody cared. Well, here's the rub. As we are building these super
5: leagues across college football and college athletics, how many other good conferences are there going to be? It's going to be the Big 10. So they're not, I don't, the Big 12, stop. You never know. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Come you on. if you trust the Big 12, Come uh, there's no chance, Paul. Give me a break. Um, Pac-12 does not exist anymore. So, it's going to be the Big 10 and the SEC and that's it. What if
6: the what if Florida State and and Clemson stay put? I don't think they will. What if uh, the Big 10, the Big 10 could be the force to be reckoned with now? Who knows? You don't know. Yeah,
5: but that, that's it though. It's the SEC and the Big 10. The ACC, Florida State, and Clemson should be
6: why would they stay in the ACC? Well, here's the here's go to what we've been saying though for 20 years. Uh, Miami needs to get their act together. Miami used to dominate college football. Oklahoma dominated college football. USC dominated college football. Uh, maybe those days are if gone. That, I can't. I just. But I. How do we live in a
5: world where Miami's not good? I can't believe it. it doesn't With make NIL any sense. With all this, yes. Oh. Uh, Kobe and Jordan
6: would average 40-plus a game in today's NBA. Do you concur? 100%. Yep. With the rules today and how it wasn't even basketball when Jordan played, the stain on David Stern's legacy that that bad boy piston crap was allowed, that wasn't basketball. That was football they were playing. And and just uh, between how they would embrace the three as well, oh, it would be scary. You could throw Larry Bird in there too. Oh, no doubt. The numbers Larry Bird would put up in today's NBA – But if Jordan, who averaged 38 a game one year, it it, it would be, in with those rules that you had and the teams he was going against, what Jordan would do today and what Kobe Bryant would do today, I think absolutely 40-42 a game would definitely be in play for these guys. Here's the thing, too, that people will say,
5: and that is, well, Michael Jordan never really shot from outside until later on in his career. If Jordan was playing today and he was the same exact dude, you don't think that he would start shooting threes or get better at that area? earlier
6: on in his career yeah because all oh sure they would bird all those guys yeah bird said, right. said it in the 80s when he played that was considered a bad shot right and he would just go you want to shoot that go ahead he'd, they'd be he'd be an assassin he'd, I, he'd, he'd, he'd be curry today
5: i look at guys like jason kidd who could not shoot right uh-huh. away in his career yeah he turned into a pretty damn reliable three-point shooter throughout and he played for like almost 20 years that's how i see jordan uh colby did take a lot of threes But also like getting to the rack and you see, you know, James Harden shoot 14 free throws a game. Sometimes you're like, how is he getting these calls? It's silly. Um, Well, sure, that's right. The way that Kobe played too, that aggressive, and the way Jordan did as well, I I think that like 40 plus might be a real
6: possibility. Well, pace and space. I mean, if if Kobe was on the right situation and not walking the ball up the floor or, more about let's push it, push it, right. MLB will produce another story this year similar to the Orioles. Do you concur? I do concur.
5: Uh, We get this every single year. Remember the Giants not that long ago when they won that division with the Dodgers in it when they were loaded? Giants were like 85 or one to win that division to begin the year. They won 107 games. They were the one seed in the National League and their ROI was the best in baseball with a bullet. You know, a couple years beyond that it's the Orioles. There will be a team in Major League Baseball this year that will be similar to what the Orioles were last year. Right win total of uh, I'm going to say mid 70s, maybe high 70s, maybe low 80s that they win 95 plus games, and we're talking about this like in the middle of June, early July. They're like, can you believe this? The first half, this team is the number one team in ROI, and they they're on pace for like 100 wins. I'm I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen again this year in Major League Baseball. When it's all said and done, the Milwaukee Bucks will be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you concur?
6: I'm not there yet. No, I still think the the Knicks are going to have a big say in this, and uh, assuming they're healthy though. And I got to we'll see what happens with Randall. But so far so good with the second half of the season. But uh, you, you you nailed it with the schedule. Once we get going into the schedule, where it's going to be a lot of tough teams, then we'll see if they really. Who knows? Maybe they just me. Just might be horrendous defensively. And nothing can change it which you want to point to effort and they didn't like griffin but i can't get there yet i am just i yeah
5: I, i'm looking at the standings right now in the eastern conference M- my biggest question is how many of these teams are actually good celtics are awesome i think when it comes down to a seven game series now what i'm talking about how many teams would, would you truly think you would like bet on to beat the bucks in a seven game series the pacers Maybe. I mean, they've, they've, they've had, had their, their number. number
6: this year. Cavs are good. I don't know. They're in a bit of a funk right
5: now, but yeah. the Cavs are playing great ball. They are. I don't fully trust that team. I, we'll see about the Knicks in the playoffs. The Sixers, no thank you. The, I don't care about the Heat's history. They stink. All right. Um, They're playing well, though. I think the Magic are about a year away, maybe two, yeah. to be real contenders. And then you're getting into the Bulls and Hawks territory. I just don't know how many of these teams I would... We want to talk about how the Bucks, and we can't get there yet. but how many of these other teams do you say? Yeah, I think that they can really do some damage. To me, it's not the list is not that, that not that long. Uh, a sense of urgency to watch a movie at the theater will never be the same. Do you concur?
6: Yes, because it's I can just sit at home and it's going to come out. Yeah, the, the, the summer blockbuster maybe has gone away because you saw what happened with Mission Impossible, which it was such a good movie. But then that hurt him with the strike, too, that Cruz couldn't promote it. But that was considered a flop. And it still was a box... It did a lot of big numbers at the box office. Sure. Because what, you, what you're what you spending now to promote this damn thing, I think they put $200 million in a promotion with that as well. Um, I don't know if you have the same... I don't know if we, we're attacking it the same way with how it's being phrased. But I think it's people are just going to sit around and wait not even that long that I can just order it for... $10 at home. No, that's
5: exactly what it is. And we were in Best Buy over Pre- President's Day weekend looking at new TVs. Ha- oh, have you looked yeah. at new
6: TVs lately? No, but I just Best Buy just got rid of uh, all the DVDs. They cleaned all that stuff out, did right? They, CDs and DVDs oh, and all yeah, that I didn't stuff. see any CDs yeah. there. Yeah. So
5: every time I go in and look for like a new TV, the technology blows me away. It also tells you that as okay. soon as you buy a t- new TV, yeah. it's, it's pretty much obsolete. But like some of this new technology on TVs and people buying 75 85 inch TVs or maybe even a little bit bigger that coupled with you know the pandemic i think it was a turn off to people obviously they don't want to deal with theaters in general and i don't like dealing with crowds anyway and i've seen this this goes back to like 15 years ago people who are just on their phones the whole time I just the experience overall is not fun. I had to I sat next to a guy one time who was listening to music with his earbuds and it was on crush. I had to move in the theater as the movie's being played. Oh, wow. He's watching he's listening to music on his phone while
6: watching a movie. I'm like, "What the bleep is going on here?" The prices are out of control, but even able being able to recline is big and what they've done with that. Yeah, but you know, you're looking at $7 for a soda now and whatever popcorn is. Sure. Yeah. A- and no matter what, 20 bucks to get into a decent
5: theater yeah. now. Okay. Um, It's Follow the Money here on v The Sports Betting Network up next. We'll update some NBA futures and do a little blind resume for an award. The numbers don't lie. Is this another fake market? Wait until you hear some of these bad boys next here on v
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Get a VEASAN annual subscription for $199. Daily best bets, betting splits, upcoming March Madness betting guide. It's coming, folks. The little tournament start next week. Promo code FTM. Get the annual subscription. $50, save off $50, code FTM, slash subscribe. I remember when we had our buddy Doug
5: Kazarian in studio a couple of weeks ago. He's very good on the NBA. Yeah. And uh, I thought he brought up a great phrase when it comes to award betting. He called them fake markets, right? This is not like betting the Boston Celtics to win the Eastern Conference or to win their division like that. You can come up with numbers that make sense on something like that and how the math works out. You really can't do that with awards. It's just a lot of the stuff, opinions might be baked into the number. And, you know, it's based on what a guy like Zach Lowe might be saying in a column or what he does on his podcast or other people with influence and how that could change the market with some of these awards. We'll play a little blind resume here for one award in the NBA. There's going to be a lot of numbers But I think at the end of this, you're going to realize that uh, this could be another fake market that we're talking about. Player number one here in blind resume for an NBA award. He's played in 55 games. He's played played a total of 1,840 minutes. He has 497 defensive rebounds. His defensive rebound percentage is 25.4%. That is ninth best in the NBA. He has 113 blocks. 33 steals, and his defensive estimated plus-minus is plus 2.4, which is like outside the top 10, top 15 in the NBA. His defensive player of the year odds, it's actually, I think, minus $7 at last check. You probably know who I'm talking about. It's player number one. Player number two for this award has played in 52 games now after last night. Played 26 minutes. So that's now up to uh, 1,470 minutes. That is, again, nearly 300 minutes and three games behind player number one. After last night, he now has 412 de- defensive rebounds. He's 27.1% with that percentage, which is sixth best in the NBA. After last night, five more blocks, he has 171. Player number one has 113 Steals on the year after last night. He had one more. He's got 67, again, compared to 33. More than doubling up player number one. And his defensive estimated plus minus is plus 3.2. That is tied for fourth among qualifying guys. His odds to win defensive player of the year are 15 to 1. How is that possible? How is he 15 to 1 and he has pretty much every single category He is blowing the other guy out of the water, and yet player number one is minus $7 to win the award. Player one is Rudy Gobert to win defensive player of the year.
6: Player number two is your guy, Victor Wembenyama. Wow. It's not close. Record. And, well, and and Minnesota's number one in defensive efficiency. And uh, and San Antonio can't get stops. Sure. So how much does that play into
5: it? Minnesota's number one as a team. The Spurs are awful defensively as a team yet Victor Wembanyama's numbers overall and by the way 300 fewer minutes yep that's big and 3 fewer games it's not even close folks and yet he's 15 to 1 he's do, you just mentioned this during win lose right what'd you call it a 5 by 5 game yeah
6: 5 <laughs> points 5 rebounds 5 well anything 5 assists blocks steals yeah
5: every night now it's like 5 blocks <clears throat> excuse me and like 3 steals so can Wembenyama help it that the rest of his team is terrible defensively and <clears throat> Gobert on the flip side, uh, somebody recently said that the reason why Rudy Gobert has been so good this year defensively is because the players in front of him are elite on that side of the court. Interesting. Including Jane McDaniels, Anthony Edwards right. have really turned in. They have bench players who are super highly ranked in terms of overall defensive rating in the NBA this year. They have like six, seven guys who are very good defenders that's helping out Gobert put up, you know, and turn into a $7 favorite. I, To me, it's bonkers. I took a little Wembenyama at 66-1 to one about two, two weeks ago.
6: Wow. You were on him. Oh, God, I win so much money if he wins. Right after the draft, you were on him. Yes.
5: I, yeah. I, I, this, this to me, the the numbers are, this is a fake market that Kazarian talked about. There's n- How? How, folks? How is Rudy Gobert minus $7,
6: and how is Victor Wembenyama 15-1? to one? The numbers don't lie. I rest my case. I'll tell you, though, the hype train, the freight train's coming, though. I mean, everyone, based on what he's done and really what he did Friday in the Laker game, you're seeing it everywhere now. And I don't think it's nearly enough what he's laying for rookie of the year. And certainly he should be in this discussion as well. He's on pace to become the first player in history to average more than three blocks, more than one steal, and more than that over a full NBA season. He just turned 20 last month. He's logging less than 29 minutes a night. He has more steals than Caruso, more three pointers than Jalen Williams, more blocks than Jackson Jr. and Porzingis combined, and he doesn't play that many minutes. And then also, uh, also what they were how they were using him, and what Pops was doing the start of the year, sure. and they were playing a true point guard as well. Yeah, they almost beat the Lakers and didn't go well the, uh, last night in Utah. But you know, it's a bad team. Look, that's what happens when you pick a number one, of and they course. also were horrendous defensively. The last year is uh, also so what he was walking into, so this is good discussion. Yeah, you watch what happens. By the way, when this team starts to get better
5: next year, the year after, they add some pieces, they get better defensively, they have better defenders in front of him. Wembenyama will probably have. Let's just say that his his numbers at the end of the year aren't as good as they're going to be this year in his rookie year. So what, because they add better pieces around him and they become de- better defensively as a team, all of a sudden he has to be turned into the guy who's going to win the award every single year? Nonsense. Yeah. He, he can't control that, you know, the team was so bad uh, in front of him and the team that he landed. Whoever was picking number one last year was going to take this guy no matter what, and they were probably going to be bad defensively anyway. As you said, there's a reason why they're picking number one overall in the draft. I don't know, I think this needs more attention and other guys that are ahead of him, like Jared Allen right now, to win. Get get out of here. Get, stop. It, this should be between two players. I'm dead serious about this. Wembanyama needs to get some serious attention towards Defensive Player of the Year. And if th- the reason why he might not get taken seriously, and you're going to hear Gobert, is exactly what we're, it's. Oh, the team's so good defensively. Well, is is it a team award
6: or is it a player award? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this goes back to other awards and other sports. Like we just saw what happened in the NFL. But like uh, Most Improved, Maxie was a great player, hell of a player last year. He certainly was. Are we sure he should be this big a favorite for Most Improved? I mean, your guy Kaminga and Sangoon and and Kobe White, another big game last night too in the win, and hit the big three. I mean, that's just – who knows what these guys think and vote. The only thing we know is what they think with the straw vote with the MVP. But, again, that could flip and and change in a couple weeks Mm -hmm. where someone could be like, if it's enough push – in a media narrative about let's look at his numbers and here this team has now won eight to nine and and this is getting lost in transit you know doug kazarian loved gobert when he was like a dollar fifty sure. what well, does what does he feel now that he's seven dollars mm-hmm. you know it, it could be out of control
5: again i had uh, i'll go back to last year i had brooke lopez from the first week of the season at 500 to one to win this award mm-hmm. he turned into a uh, an odds-on favorite throughout the year late in the year And was, you know, even money or minus 120 in that range for a while, it meant nothing. He was tracked down by Jaron Jackson and he never won the award. And Jaron Jackson actually had way more first place votes than Brooke Lopez. So just because the market is telling you that a guy is, uh, you know, the favorite to win or should win the award, doesn't always happen that way. Are you getting concerned at all about your uh, Cavaliers division ticket? Now they're minus 135 today at DraftKings.
6: Yeah, they're in a funk. Yep. The Bucks might get this figured out, and uh, and I'm a little concerned with how they're playing. Ah, well, so the the Bucks
5: schedule, again, we talked about this in the first yeah. hour. It's but the Cleveland so schedule difficult. is difficult
6: too. Yeah, it's the true. Cleveland diffic- the schedule is a lot of back to backs and a lot of like nine games in fourteen days type stuff. So war of attrition for Cleveland, and they were also playing over their heads. That's why we said take the eight to one because their schedule is a joke. So there was a little bit of both. They won 17-19, and 19, but they also were playing a lot of Washington and a lot of crap in there. Sure. Uh, I'll ask you this in the Western Conference. At the very
5: bottom of the playoff standings, if you're Oklahoma City or Minnesota, would you rather play the Lakers or the Warriors in the first round? It's looking like that's a real possibility.
6: Uh, that's a probably Golden State. Because I still, I, I don't want to deal with those bigs down low, and what? Because you know it's going to be a parade to the free throw line with LeBron and AD. Probably will be. Yep.
5: I'd be concerned about you know War, you know Curry, who was not great last night, one of ten from downtown. Klay Thompson, by the way, playing better off the bench now. Mm-hmm. So that was a good move by Steve Kerr. I, I don't know if I'd want to play the. it's a tough question because that team in a seven-game series, if Curry gets hot, no thank you to that as well. I don't I think it's if you're Denver you don't care about either team. Uh, Denver would they've won after last night now, 7 straight against the Warriors and 10 out of 11. Yeah. And we saw what happened last year in the playoffs when they swept the Lakers. Uh, yeah, so I whoever that is in the first round for them, if it was one of those teams.
6: Very impressed. Great second start to the second half by
5: OKC, though. Yep. That's been great. College Hoops, Dallin Cuff up next, ESPN. Does he trust Purdue, Houston, or Tennessee enough to be there at the uh, end of the season?
6: Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz. With the free VEASAN Daily Newsletter, expert analysis, latest odds delivered straight to your inbox absolutely free. VEASAN.com slash newsletter to subscribe.
5: Dallin Cuff joins the program now. He does a great job on the coverage for college basketball at ESPN. Dallin, thanks for the time today. How you been?
4: I'm doing well, guys. Glad to be on with you.
5: Yep, thanks for coming on again, as always. We appreciate that. Uh, of course, the big story over the weekend What happened on the court after the game, Wake Forest and Duke, Kyle Filipowski, Duke's best player, gets injured after the game when the Wake fans were storming the court. Overall, is this going to be the catalyst for change now in college basketball because the star player at Duke got hurt during one of these court stormings?
4: I think ultimately it may be, guys. I I realize it's an indefensible position. I, I always have a soft spark for it. I think it's unique to our game. It's memorable for the players, for the coaches, for the fans, and those that have been been part of them. Uh, they do set like lifelong memories, and I do think, unfortunately, like they're gonna have to, they're gonna go away because not just Kyle, obviously, it's Caitlin Clark earlier in the year. Um, it was a situation too that, like, if you want, we've pruder filmed film this thing, which is sad—a reflection yeah. of, of us as individuals—is not good. But we, when you do look at the baseline, there was John Curry. The AD said there was a plan. There clearly wasn't a plan, man. Like when you watched Creighton, U- UConn last weekend, or not two weekends ago, I guess. They had what it has to be all the time. The rope hand-in-hand hand with security, partitioning off part of the court, allowing the team to get off. They handled it really well. Uh, they knew it was going to happen. It was a 17-point game or something like that. But you know, there was a timeout with 2.4 seconds left in that Duke game where they knew what was going to happen. And on the baseline, there wasn't a single security guard. And those kids were frothing at the mouth. The clock hadn't even expired. They were on the floor almost like like cockroaches the lights on. Like, you can't – that can't happen. And it has to be a plan. It has to be executed. It's on the administration. They did a terrible job. John Curry said there was a plan. There was not. And because of things like that, I think ultimately it is indefensible for me to sit here and say they, they should continue. Cause you, it was only a matter of time before a big time player had gotten hurt. We had seen instances in smaller schools where things like this had happened, right. where you did have altercations or players get hurt or fans involved. You also saw fans all over the floor in that thing. I mean, they're all running around with their hands and their phone's in their hand. They can't see anything. I mean, it is chaos. So I imagine what has transpired here, you're going to have to either criminalize the activity like you do in the pro ranks Or and and or uh, the fines that exist for some conferences, not the ACC, possibly exponentially raised, because SEC for 100 grand or the Big East for 25 or the uh, Big East for five, excuse me, the Pac-12 for 25 or 50 is nothing. The ACC doesn't have one. So you have to have exponentially higher fines, criminalize it, and it will be taken out of the game, I think, in the future here.
5: Could have to forfeit a game. Do you think we'd ever get that far with it?
4: You may. I mean, I, I really do think. You, let's be real, guys. This is a big business. You you find those people a million bucks in any administration. They're they locking this thing down. Yeah. That court is going to look like mm-hmm. a, look like a professional environment toward the end of a game. And kids are not coming on. You do see it in Kansas State and other places where the fans go in, but the players go into the into the into the student section and celebrate. You may see that, and that just becomes the norm. Where the players run up there and they go nuts, and then that's how they have their memory.
6: That's a good point about the phones, too. People recording themselves can't oh, see what God. the hell they're doing, and not to mention they're under the influence of something, too. Not all of them, <laughs> sure. uh, but some for of them. Sure. Okay, uh, big week for Gonzaga. Do you, do you think Gonzaga's in the tournament, and do they have to win at San Francisco and St. Mary's?
4: Uh, you don't have to because, again, guys, you, this is why I love the event. It's the most democratic event in sports. You can win your way in through the conference tournament. I think the San Francisco game is critical because they want that two-seed. Remember in the, in the, in the uh, West Coast Conference, the one and two seed get, get, you know, buys into the semifinals. You have to win one game to get to the final to play. Ultimately, I think it's going to end up being St. Mary's and Gonzaga. But you want to have as small a road as possible to get tripped up, and Gonzaga's not had a problem with that in the past. This year they do. I think they get the win at San Francisco, which would be a quad one win currently. St. Mary's, I think, is a, probably a bridge too far. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure they can win in that environment in the game, way the game will be played by the Gales as they kind of grind their opponents down and playing much better, obviously, over the last you know, six, seven weeks. Uh, Gonzaga can play their way in. If they don't, that win against San Francisco, San Francisco excuse me, will be very important. Um, and then it's going to be it's going to be squeaky bum time. I'll we'll just say that because I, their resume is not great. Winning at Kentucky is good. They they want Kentucky to keep playing well down the stretch because that 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 win and a well yeah, yep. carries a lot of weight. I think they're a tournament team, but their resume with one quad one win and very they played very good opponents in the non league as they always do is isn't the strongest, but when you look at it in its final in- entirety with other teams around it, you have to hope, you know, the butlers of the world struggle. And uh, obviously Wake Forest went the other way. Seton hall, those type of teams are all living on the bubble right now. Many in the big East, some in the ACC um, struggle. And then they, then they continue to play at at, at played at a level. Cause remember they don't play deep enough champ week. This is their champ week coming up here a week no. right here, but the next week before the big boys play. So I, th- I think they ultimately will get in, but it is going to be very, very tight.
5: Well, well said. It's follow the money here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. Our guest, Dalen Cuff, does a great job with college basketball on ESPN. How much stock do you put into past results and tournament play for trying to predict what's going to happen in the future? I ask you with, you know, Purdue struggles over the years in the tournament, Tennessee as well. Houston made a Final Four in recent years, but uh, they've been bounced earlier than anticipated. Like how much do you see those three teams like being true contenders this season?
4: I don't put much stock into what you've done in the past. I think they're all—all all three of those teams are great coaches that have had, um, you know, Kelvin said had a bunch of success, getting to the Final Four. Guys with the, with the Houston team that year is, mm-hmm. is success without a doubt. He's gotten to Elite Eight as well. Um, I would say that, and Painter's an outstanding coach. It's more the team than how it's constructed this year. And let's start with Tennessee. You can say they've struggled in the years past. This team is different. They can play at pace. They do have a lottery pick, a well, wing player, and Dalton connects to go create. The Kai Ziegler is starting to play like he did toward this time last year when he tore his ACL. Uh, uh, a and uh, Waka playing playing together gives them something different in the interior and some f- more physicality in those guys. When they're scoring, too, that team is really good. So I think offensively they are way light years better than where they've been in years past. And defensively they're still elite. So that team, to me, hey, evaluate the team on this year. That team is capable of getting to a Final Four. Last year's team I didn't think was any any shot. The year before that, any shot. Because the imbalance in offense and defense was just too great. Doesn't happen this year. Houston, off- defensively, they are an absolutely elite squad we know that they turn you over offensive rebound. one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Their offense has continued to get better. Damian Dunn, Emmanuel Sharp have emerged a little bit. They've played better. Sharp was really good in the Baylor game. Made some big shots yep. to go along with Jamal Shedd and LJ Cryer. Evaluate this team this year. They are better offensive than they've been in the past. They're the same defensively. They are capable of getting to a final four and winning the whole thing. Leads me to Purdue. I can't, I can't back a team that is so reliant. Exactly. Seven, four monster. We see that, but if he gets in foul trouble as he did in Nebraska, other games this year, that team is susceptible Their guards are good players, but I still think the athletic limitations of those guys and the league they played in allows them to be hit. It allows them to hide that they're very good. They can get to a final four. Maybe. I don't know if I'm be betting that, but that's, that seems likely. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing. I think there are teams that you can speed up those guards. You can pressure those guards. You can challenge them. And then on the other side, you can exploit them and the wing players defensively, and again, when it's all revolves around Edie, if something goes wrong yep. in a one-and-done scenario, it's hard for me to back that horse. Comparative to like a UConn, where they can win in you know eight different ways, they can win in a grinder, they can play an up-tempo game, they can play inside-out, they can knock down threes. Like they, the versatility by which that team can beat you is almost unlike anybody in the country. And Purdue's Purdue has to operate in a certain manner with sometimes certain opponents to help them. Like I think about some of these SEC teams, maybe in a couple of Big 12 teams that if they run into. That could be a real problematic situation for them in you know a second or third round situation.
6: What is the problem with Florida Atlantic? Well, I, I, that's the weird thing, guys. Like last year, they played in a
4: much weaker league, and they were that's when you bring, when you're trying to run the run it all back again. It's not going to be a sweep. I mean, you win 30 games in a year—that's special. You play in a weaker league; that helps. Uh, it's ironic we're saying we with South Florida, Florida Atlantic, when they lost on the road at Memphis, which is what they were supposed to do before the season. We we thought it was going to come down to these two games home and home between these two teams in the final 14 days of the season that would decide the American Conference champion. Memphis has not held their end of the bargain. They started to right the ship a little bit. They got some investigations off the court going on. I don't know what the heck's going on there, but their court results have been better of the last seven days, beating Charlotte and beating Florida Atlantic. That's important for that team to get into the tourney and then play well potentially there. Florida Atlantic, I think you're playing a harder schedule. You're on the road in that game. It's, 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 these guys have a similar role to last year but also to maintain that level, that hunger, that consistency, and play as well is really hard. Also, to have the target on your back is really hard and have guys like you and me talking about them where we would ever read their name you know, two seasons ago. So it's a very different scenario. I think that team is still good. They still have great guard play, and, and Davis, and, uh, and, and uh, you, know, you get go, go around the outside there, Greenlee, Boyd, all those guys to play. The problem, too, I do think that, that teams do realize you can't exploit Vlad Golden, and, and, and middle pick and roll is a big issue for their team. And if, if you start to really focus and hone in on that, and have guards that can exploit that, and players that can that can that can challenge them, also can challenge them in the offensive glass, you could have a problem. And that's what you're seeing. They 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 had a magical run last year. They're really still a really good team. Would I pick them to go to the Final Four? No. Did I do that last year? No. It would be high. It would be improbable if they did it again. Um, but they're still a good team. It's just a much better league and a team that's you know it's hard to run it back the same way again.
5: Yep. In about a minute left here, Dallin, how many teams in college basketball have a better A game than Kentucky?
4: Oh, uh, it's a small, small number. And I would say, you know, like I mentioned, UConn is the team that I, I feel the strongest about and have now for probably two months. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Kentucky, we keep saying it, it's if they guard, man. And they, and with Alabama this past weekend, they guarded well enough. They had 29 points off turnovers. They scored on almost every turnover they created. A bunch of live ball turnovers. But can they sit down and stay in a stance and guard consistently with teams that are a, a little more, uh, let's say, disciplined offensively? Sometimes that are that are trying to to wear you down. They're trying to make you guard for two and three sides and, and long into possession. We'll see. But when they guard, offensively, they're their best team in the country. They have, they have the most weapons, the most pros they can create. And defensively, they guard enough. They are dangerous guys. If so they're going to be like a six or seven seed, oh. look out. Oh. Like that is an absolute nightmare. Their seeding will be really critical come Selection Sunday. Totally
5: agree. Mm-hmm. Follow him on X. He's at Dellen Cuff. Dellen, you do a great job on ESPN. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate that.
4: Thanks, guys. Be well.
5: Thank okay. you. You too. Up next updated odds to get a one seat i took a stab on a team at nine to one over the weekend find out who next
0: attention all wrestling aficionados wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: This week, DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can deposit $5, get a no-sweat bet, up to 1,000 in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, download the app. Use promo code VEASAN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, looking
5: at updated odds here for teams to be a one seed in the madness next month at DraftKings Purdue, UConn, and Houston, I think they're. Uh,
6: it's pretty safe to say that they're going to be one-seeds, yeah, regardless of what happens throughout the yep. rest of the season. That's a hell of an A game from Houston. you yeah, got to was... do it for 40 minutes. I mean, up 16 against Baylor. Uh, when they shoot like that, watch out. But then Baylor hit him with a big uh, punch, and uh, that was about that beat if that buzzer beater would have counted. But they, they get the cover in overtime anyways. What's crazy is if the kid hits the free throw for Baylor, then they win the game. That's true. That's right. That's another one. Yeah. That had everything. Yeah. And as we talked about earlier, Arizona's down to a dollar thirty now after getting beat at home by Washington State. And then, boy, that was a great spot for Arizona State Saturday. No kidding. Oh, man, that was one. But uh, we'll see. Arizona should run the table now. But then it'll come down to the Pac-12 play. But the door is open for Tennessee. Well,
5: I think the door is open for another team here I'll get to in a second. Here's Tennessee. Yeah. If you're telling me that Tennessee loses only one more game moving forward, and then they win like a couple of games, in the even without winning the SEC tournament, I think they have a great shot to get a one. Here's their schedule to finish. On Wednesday night, they're at home to Auburn. They're going to be three, four-point favorites in that game. On Saturday, they play at Alabama. They're give or take two-and-a-half, three-point dog according to models and projections in that game. Then next week, they get South Carolina on the road, three, three three-and-a-half-point favorite, and then Kentucky at home, and they'll be a big favorite in that game by big uh, Torvik has them eight-and-a-half. Might be a bit much, then bet against them, whatever. But, Paul, if they win three out of those games, three out of those four games, Mm -hmm. which is easier said than done, but if they do and then win, like, two games in the SEC tournament, I think Tennessee can get it. But that's a very difficult schedule. Here's a team that I bet. And Bark Torvik only gives them a 13% chance to get a one seed. But I bet North Carolina at a 9-1. Remember, they were 15-1 last week. I was able, unable to get down on that. Did find a 9-1 eventually. They are laying double digits in their next three games and probably about a three- or four-point dog against Duke on the road. They can win that game. And even if they don't, if they win the... ACC tournament. If they're ACC regular season and tournament champions, Carolina's going to have a great case to be a one seed and that's why I bet them at 9-1. to one. They're plus 750 this morning at DraftKings
6: to get that done. Yep. Maybe they uh, have an easy time of it tonight. Miami's lost six in a row. How about this? You're going to go from Final Four to miss the tournament. Maybe the most disappointing team in the country. Yep. Yep. There's also this
5: from the v newsletter. Steve McInan. Great nuggets daily in the newsletter. Sign up today, vcin.com slash subscribe. He points out that uh, Power Six conferences over the last five seasons to see where teams excel in the last two weeks and which don't. Steve puts a premium on teams that have uh, had stable coaching situations during this period and adds the, quote, revenge factor into the mix. He points out that Power Conference teams looking to avenge an earlier season loss, and playing as home favorites of six points or more in the last two weeks of the regular season are 60-9 and straight up and 49-28 and ATS. That's 64%. It's possible we could see the situation come up for the first time on Tuesday night when Iowa hosts Penn State. That's an example that he has to watch for tomorrow night. Our producer, Luke, came up with a bunch of other examples to look forward to this week and will remind you the day of And for weekend games, we'll tell you about those on Friday going into the games. But games to watch on Wednesday, Marquette hosts Providence that night. They lost at Providence 72-57. Marquette going to be a favorite around 8 or 9 points as of right now, the way it looks in that game. And Iowa State will host Oklahoma on Wednesday. They lost at OU 71-63. And Iowa State right now figures to be. Uh, I'm going to project about a seven-point favorite based on models. And there are plenty of other examples that will begin on Saturday and Sunday, and then in the next week as well. But those are some uh, great numbers. What to look for, and that you can get at the uh, the newsletter every single day that comes into your in- uh, inbox.
6: All right, it gets nuts next week. Then we got the little guys starting their conference tournaments. The first bid goes out next Saturday, and then three bids go out the following Sunday. Um, and uh, the Missouri Valley Championship game will be Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I, I, based on, um, other than UConn, who do you trust? And I've said time and time again, I think it's going to be wide open like last year. Because Purdue please, we've seen what's happened year in, year out. I understand the concerns about Houston. But I saw this over the weekend. And it's, I think it's you're going to see chaos again come with the tournament. 131 unranked teams have defeated ranked teams this year, second most since 95-96. 47 unranked teams have beat a top-10 team, third most since 95-96. Unranked teams, excuse me, ranked teams against unranked teams have a 763 winning percentage, lowest the last 10 years. Add that all up, with the fact that who we're talking about with possible one or two seeds, I think we're going to see the same thing as last year—that you could see some big tickets and a lot of chaos when we're coming down to final fours. For sure. I mean, look at some of these teams who are going to be seated—you
5: know—in that four-five range. You're talking about teams like Auburn,
6: for sure. Creighton. How about Creighton? Right. Good job by Patino yesterday. Right. They needed that, but sure. Do you trust Creighton away from home? What if, like like uh, Cuff said, what if what if Kentucky's like a 6 or a 7? I mean, oh. that's... Mama, right? That will be,
5: to me, their seed line is going to be the biggest wild card maybe of the entire tournament. Right now projected to be about a 4, but they have losses coming. They might lose tomorrow night again. No way, no how would I want to play that. How about Clemson? That's Mike Palm's team in that range. How about well, a St. Yeah, Mary's?
6: Seeding's a big deal. You want you to know? play
5: St. Mary's? I'll tell you what. Here's one to watch for. And uh, I forget who it was, but somebody. On any part of St. Mary's. No way. So, somebody pointed this out to me on X. I forget who it was over the weekend. Like the perfect team to play Arizona would be St. Mary's. That like if Arizona gets that one seed, and St. Mary's happens to be a four or a five, and they get there and they're playing them in the Sweet 16, that is a veteran team, very well coached, defensive minded. They're good with the basketball. They don't have a lot of turnovers. They will cause fits for Arizona in a matchup, and that's the kind of team that will absolutely beat the Wildcats and send them out early. That's a team I can't, I'm sorry, I just I can't, I can't get You're there right. with the Wildcats. Yep. I, I'm, I'm like Dallin Cuff, I can't get there with Purdue. I think Houston might be a little bit different this year than, I, again, they've had success. Final. I'm talking about, though, like winning the whole thing. Could this year finally be Houston's year? I don't have a single penny on Houston on future tickets. I might regret that one. They're really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Captain Obvious checking in here. Right. I, I just, well, when, and when I say that, I think they're just—it's different than what we've seen in recent years.
6: But I won't—I won't go to war with Rick Barnes in a big game either. So, you can—I draw a line to me through Arizona, Tennessee. There is no way, no how, you should get swept by Washington State. Um, the other thing too about Florida Atlantic—it's not just what happened against Memphis. That's what's happened the whole year. They—they've been awful of defensively, mm-hmm. and they won't respect their opponent. They lost two games in a month as a 20-point favorite. They somehow lost to Bryant, and they lost to Florida Gulf Coast. And then you start conference play while they're in a better league. They're coming out flat in all these first halves. You should never give up 90 points to South Florida. You know, UAB's a tough place to play, so I'll excuse that one. But you shouldn't be losing games like this, and when you look up every game's tight with five minutes left, Mm -hmm. it's so bad now they might be like a 10-seed. Well, who knows if the re- wheels really come off? Maybe you don't even make the damn thing, because you still have to play Memphis again. You go to North Texas. Goodness. You play Tulane, then you have the conference tournament. What if you go one and done there? So if you can if you can be down seventeen on a neutral against Arizona and come back to win, and then you go to the Final Four, you certainly have enough talent. We should come out. And you shouldn't. You should have been a four or a five seed, and now you might you're in, you're looking at a ten right now. Sure, I'll give you another team. Uh, I'm looking at Kansas in the
5: 25 or 30 to one range. I don't have a penny on Kansas either this year. I really don't want to. I just, I don't think they can win the whole thing. But you're seeing 30 to ones now pop on Kansas. And I guess when I say, I, I don't think they can win the whole thing. Like I don't, that means I don't want to bet them at where the number has been the entire year. Is that, is that the, are they telling us something here? Like, this is just not going to be it for Kansas. They don't have the right makeup. They're going to be Odds a two makers seed. don't respect them. You know? They don't, yeah. They do not respect this no. team.
6: No, Iowa State might be maybe a team to look at.
5: How about their projected seed line at a four right now? Yeah. According to some? Doesn't that seem low for what they've done this year? I guess that's projecting forward too, and not where they maybe sit today. I don't think a lot of teams want to play that team right away in the tournament. They kind of have that St.
6: Mary's makeup to them a little bit foil hat guy too they would love to put patino and gonzaga in the playing row oh, yeah be
5: huge for ratings yep up next we'll reset the weekend it looks like lebron is going to hit the 40,000 point mark much sooner than i was hoping we'll discuss here on vcin